Well, I'm so excited that you're here to join me for Voice of Breakthrough, this podcast. Podcast. So we are going to hit some powerful topics. Every single week, we will be having a new podcast with a new topic. So get ready. I'm telling you, this is great to exercise to. This is powerful to uh, listen to when you're cleaning your house or cooking that dinner or cutting the grass, which you could turn up loud on your, you know, your, your little iPhone or whatever you have there. Anyway, you're going to love this powerful, life-changing, every single week podcast of Voice of Breakthrough. Lord, you want your church free from pride. You want each of us free from pride. You dealt with the pride in my heart. And Lord, my prayer is that it never raises its head again. And Lord, that you would heal our nation from pride and deliver us from prideful leaders, Lord God, who would try to destroy us to stop the preaching of the gospel. And we give all praise to you in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was in Nags Head and going over all these different things the other night, last week, the Lord gave me so much. And so Sunday, we didn't get to it all. So when I was looking over Sundays, I saw um, the part about Leviathan. And so turn with me to 2 Samuel 20. I'm sorry. First of all, turn with me to Job 41, Job 41, Job 41, verse 1, Job chapter 41, the whole thing. And as we get ready to talk about pride, and this is towards the end of Job's whole thing he went through. But a lot of people have been saying, what is happening in our, what's the biggest thing you watch happening with the media and the government? It's like everything gets twisted, right? It gets twisted, it gets turned around, it gets thrown back, and so people don't know what to believe. And when you look at Leviathan, Leviathan is like a crocodile. That's the kind of gigantic mammal, or I don't know, reptile it was. It was a sea monster. And Job speaks about it here. And the biggest thing about Leviathan is it was almost indestructible. It was made in such a way you almost could not destroy it. And so let's just read this, and then we're going to look at what God is working on our hearts so we can have authority. Every single thing that you see in, your na- in a nation has to do with the church of that nation. It doesn't matter where you're at. So when you say, well, why is there so much, why is there so much poverty in a nation like India? Why is there so much poverty? Well, look at all the idolatry in India. And we want to go and evangelize in India, right? We want to get them saved, set free. But every nation goes in the direction of the church. So if you want to, if you want to look at our politics, if you want to look at all the things that are, look at all the filth in our nation. It's in the church. It's in the church. And so we need to quit having cute church and we need to have real church and we need to get back into the word of God and we need to have a place where people can repent, not be judged, but repent, turn from their wicked ways. And God promises, if my people called by my name, that's Christians, would turn from their wicked ways seek, or would seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I'll heal their land. And so 
there's a couple of things that he wants us to seek his face. What's seeking his face? Seeking his face is relationship. You know, when you want your child to pay attention to you, if you learn how to do this, you gently get at their level and you take their little um, face in your hands and you talk to them, right? You don't scream and yell and jerk them around. But you sit there and you, you get down on a level where they can see you face to face and you talk with them. Jesus Christ came on a level where he could see us face to face so he could talk with us. He wants to talk with us. He wants us to seek his face, not his gifts, not his provision, not healing. He wants us to seek his face. And when I, when I understand if I seek his face, which means relationship with him, he takes care of all the rest. If, if you seek his face and you love him more than anything, he will take care of everything in your whole life. All of that is just like benefits. They're not the focus. He's the focus. And so our nation, we're not seeking to see, um, we're not seeking the Lord to know him in relationship. And so we're seeking him for the benefits. A lot of Christians are seeking him for the benefits, right? Well, what's happened in our nation? Everybody's seeking for benefits. I mean, oh, pay, people don't realize and, and if, if, if you benefit from any of this, fine. Why not? I'm saying that seriously. I mean, if they want to write off student loans for anybody, just go ahead and write them off for my kids too, although my kids don't owe any. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm not telling you not to take advantage of what they're going to give away anyhow. But I'm telling you to get your heart right because just because you're not paying a student loan now. You just signed up to pay everybody's student loans for the rest of your life. And it's going to add up to a lot more than your student loan. Right? It's going to add up to a lot more than your student loan. But the real key is, okay, pretty soon let's, let's totally be in charge of where our kids go to school and what they do and how they learn. So anyway, so, so we have to recognize as a church we haven't been seeking the Lord's face. When you seek the Lord and you're not seeking his face, it's prideful. It's prideful. He died so you could have a relationship with him. He didn't die so you could be healed, although you can be healed because of what he went through. Amen? By his stripes you are healed. But the reason most people, a lot of people don't live out the Christian life and walk into all that God has for us is because we're not seeking his face. Beauty for ashes, is, as I've been praying, as I preach Sunday, who, who is it that we're trying to draw in? Both on the videos, on, on the inter international ministry, everything. Those who are hungry for God, hungry to know him, and they want the Father glorified. And it's corruption in the kingdom to go after Jesus for anything else except for a relationship with him. So how many knows a lot of our doctrines, a lot of the things, man-made doctrines, have been corrupted for a long time, right? And it's a love of money. Anyway, so when we get into all this, you begin to realize, wow, everything that I see in politics and our educate everything you see in your nation, no matter which nation you're in, because they'll be listening to this in different nations, it's a reflection of the church of that nation. What is what should that make us? We should be on our knees. We should be crying out, Lord, heal us, set us free, cleanse us, help us to get 
the understanding of relationship with God. Help us to get the understanding of relationship. You know, the most important relationship in the entire world is your relationship with God. If you find God and you say yes to God, then you just won. But if you mean it and you make him Lord, you're going to do what he wants and walk in his ways and not legalistically, but because you're going to fall in love with him. If you would just understand that he's right and we're wrong and he knows what he's doing. Even when, I, when, when I'm talking to the Lord and there's something in scripture that I don't understand, I, I usually always start with, I already know this is right and I already know you get this, God, but I don't understand. And, and I've given the example before when um, they, Jesus was on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Okay, I know that has to be true, God, because you said it. But they knew they were killing you. They knew what the word crucified meant. They knew all those beatings were leading to you being bled out. They, they knew what they were doing. So how could, I could see you say forgive them, but how could you say they don't know what they're doing? Inquiring minds want to know. And then the Lord said to me, he said, they didn't understand the spiritual side. They didn't understand how Satan was causing them to say, crucify me. They didn't understand how this evil was in their hearts without me and how they all came against me. They didn't understand the spiritual side. Well, how many know, no matter who you have to forgive, no matter how horrific what they've done, they didn't understand the spiritual side. Right? So he will give you the grace to forgive them. But that's where, how you get revelations because you're seeking the heart of God. You're seeking the face of God. And then he'll teach you not only if you just learn his ways legalistically, it brings death. But if you learn his heart and then he teaches you what that means and why he does it that way, then he'll change you. So, so, so we have to get into his word and say, okay, Lord, teach us. So can you draw out the Leviathan with a hook or hold down his tongue with a cord? The answer is no. This beast, this Leviathan cannot be pulled out with just a hook and you cannot basically stop him from speaking, stop him from lying, stop him from devouring things with a cord. He, he was built in such a way, this this was like a sea creature that's very much like a crocodile, but bigger from my understanding. And he is fierce. Can you put a reed rope into his nose or pierce his jaw with a thorn? All the answers of these are no. Will he multiply pleas for help to you or will he speak soft words to you? Will he cut a covenant with you or will you take him for a slave forever? Will you play with him as with a bird? Or will you tie him up for your maidens? Shall your partners bargain over him so they divide among the merchants? Can you fill his skin with barbs or his head with fishing spears? Put your hand on him. Remember the battle. You will never do it again. So what he's talking about here, don't play with Leviathan. Don't play with something that was that's really able to destroy you. And let me say, a lot of the prayer that we've been praying for our nation has been playing with this thing. A lot of the politics that have been going on, a lot of the things we've seen in the social, in, in media and social media, it's all playing with it, isn't it? Um, the entire government, to me, is playing with the spirit. And the Lord's son is there. This thing is not going to lose that way. 
Okay. Behold, his hope has been made false. Will he not be cast down at the sight of him? None is so fierce as to dare to stir him up. Who then is able to stand before me, says the Lord? What the Lord's saying, if you think that Leviathan is bad, if you think that Leviathan, which is a creature that God made, if you think that that thing can't be dealt with, why don't you fear the Lord? Why don't you fear the one who created him? And this would be a word that should go out to all these politicians and all these elitists and all these people uh, in the globalists who are mocking God right now. You can find it. You can find all over uh, social media, wherever, where they're actually saying things like, you know, well, you're God. Well, God, okay, there's a true God, and he can only make organic things, but we're smarter than him. This is, the, this is Babylon. This is that spirit of Babylon. They're literally saying this. You can find the videos. And they're saying, we're smarter than him. And because we can, we, can make, uh, we can make better things than that, they're basically really making the mark of the beast. They're actually playing with trying to change DNA and stuff, for real. And they think that makes them greater than God. Can I just tell everybody, stop a minute and think, if God didn't make organic things, you wouldn't even be here. There would be nothing. So you think the, the pride, the pride and arrogance of, of, of Lucifer. It's the pride and arrogance of Lucifer. If you get Lucifer, which is the name of Satan before he fell, he literally started thinking so highly of himself that he, he couldn't even connect any longer. He was delusional that if it wasn't for God, there wouldn't be him. But there would be God no matter what. Let me say, when people say that God needs you, just laugh. I mean, God almost wiped out every single human being in the days of Noah. He, he wasn't going, oh my gosh, if I wipe all of these out, what will I do? I have such need for them. God doesn't need us. He loves us. If you want to get free from a codependent relationship, don't need somebody. Just love somebody unconditionally. If you want a good marriage, quit trying to be needy and begin to love unconditionally. Just love unconditionally. I'm just going to love. And when you have children, don't let them be meeting the need in you or you're setting yourself up for codependency. Just love them unconditionally. That's why God created us. He created us because he loves us. How awesome is that? See, most of us don't even understand unconditional love because we haven't had any. Think of it, love with no conditions. There would never be a divorce if there was unconditional love. I don't think our kids would be so messed up that they have half of them on drugs and everything else if they had unconditional love. Unconditional love is more powerful than anything society can throw at your kids. And you can't have unconditional love unless you have the love of God in you. So don't be upset that your parents couldn't love you unconditionally. Don't be upset that the media doesn't... Don't be upset. You can't have unconditional love without God. He is perfect love. His perfect love casts out all fear. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. A lack of a sound mind is a lack of love, right? God has, if you want to heal somebody's lack of sound mindness, you've got to go to the place to say, you know, what happened? 
God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. What are they afraid of? You know, you can be afraid of something that happened to you in your mother's womb and you can't remember. Every child who's had the word abortion spoken over them or even as a thought over them received a spirit of fear. Fear of premature death, fear of dying, free, fear of abandonment, free of rejection, fear of rejection. Look how much Satan has tried to make that implanted in every child in our nation. As if there should be that choice. So don't miss our conference on September 17th all day because we're going to go over every part of that. We're going to see people's families completely set free, generational curses broken off, all of that kind of thing. It doesn't mean the people knew what they were doing, right? You can forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. But when they're even having a conversation about should you live or die, I mean, talk about pride. The entire idea of abortion is so prideful. And it's Leviathan spirit behind it. This is, Leviathan, you'll see, is a spirit um, where Lucifer himself or Satan himself, his pride has just saturated a culture and brings forth this powerful spirit. All right. The Lord said, who has gone before me that I should repay? All under the heavens, it is mine. I was at a conference recently, and one of the people were saying um, that if, you know, you go through grief and sorrow, the first thing you have them do is to forgive God. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. That's, just, that's saying that God did something wrong, and it's going to help this person to tell God you forgive them. That is the worst Ex that is the worst thing you could ever counsel somebody because number one, it's prideful as all get out. The first thing you need to do is repent if you blame God. Just repent if you blame God. Repentance is a good thing. It's a gift from God that says, if you do this wrong, just recognize you've done it wrong and ask me to forgive you and it's over. How cool is that? That's true repentance. True repentance means I'm not doing this again. Because I get it. It's not repentance until you won't do it again. Because repentance is I know this is wrong. I know this isn't what God had for me. I know this isn't how it should be. Bitterness is blaming God. Remember this bitter. There's two roots of evil, not 400. I don't care what somebody's inner healing class you took. The Bible gives two roots of evil, two. They're very simple, two. The love of money. The love of money means everything in your life is determined by how much money you need and how much money you can make and how successful does that make you. And it's replacing the world system for the kingdom. And you can actually be in the kingdom and have one foot in the world system. And that's a lot of mixture that God's shaking up. That's why Jesus turned over those tables in the temple. And right now, I, I was, I'm not going to say specifically, but I was, took a, an online course recently through some Christian names that are pretty well known. And, and the course, uh, the, through the whole thing I was listening to it, I just saw the Lord literally turning over the money changing tables. These people weren't seriously trying to help me. They just wanted to use their names to bring me into a situation that was going to give them a lot of money. Now, I'm not saying, they're, I don't, not saying they didn't want both. But remember, if it's a mixture, it's still terrible. God's not going to have this mixture any longer. He's going to destroy it. When, when, when um, everybody had to stay home for two years, I've got a talking code. 
I haven't done a really good job of that tonight. But when everybody had to stay home for a couple of years and everybody had to figure out how are we going to survive? We, we can't go to meetings and do love offerings anymore or, to, or charge event fees. So what do we do? We get online and we make an entire business online and have people pay us for what you can find free online almost anywhere. And what's so sad, what I found free was much more informative than what somebody wanted a lot of money for. And sometimes I think people don't realize that $500 is a lot of money to most people. And you're no longer connected with reality if $500 isn't a lot of money. And the Lord's like, I'm going to turn over these money. Those who've been able to not care that the church was called unessential, those who aren't caring that the doors of the church is open and they've celebrated this as if it's something good. It's because they found a way, many of them, not all of them, they found a way to get in and bring people who are looking for answers and people who are hungry to give their money to them. As if it doesn't matter if the church doors are closed. I've heard people saying this. People, you can go online for years. It's nothing brand new. It's just been extremely marketed and manipulated recently. And as the Lord has me getting ready to do some YouTube things and he's had me go through two different seminars and all this kind of stuff, the cry of my heart is I don't want to do this with the arm of the flesh. And, and I want to put this out here for the hyper-spiritual people, which I don't see of them in here, but they may be watching. He wants us to do something. So the reason I'm still learning all these things about marketing right now is because my motive is to know what I need to know so Holy Spirit can anoint it and open the doors and it has nothing to do with me making money. See, we, we, we over-spiritualize we spiritualize things and say, I want nothing to do with it. And then you never do anything. If God's making a way for us to preach on the internet, on YouTube, if he's making a way for us to do pastor conferences, as long as my heart is not to take money from people, and that's not in my heart, but my heart is to reach people, then we should be the ones learning the most to know how to reach them. It's the love of money. That's the root of all evil. We're supposed to know he, whoever invented this stuff, God gave them the know-how. If the church would wake up a little more, he'd give us some know-how. At least use the know-how that's out there. We, sh we should know it better than anyone. We should be more excited by it than anyone. You know, I, a lot of Christians are just lazy and they want to blame it on trusting God. Before I bought this building, God had me read this book about how to become a millionaire in a week or something. I don't know what it was. Anyway, and I, the whole time I'm reading this book, it's written by Christians, and it's three different stories. One was stock market, one was real estate, one I forgot what the other one was. I'm reading them, and the whole time in my head I'm going, I was drawn to read it. Do you know Holy Spirit will draw you to read and to watch things? And it's not all Christian teaching. Some of it is just real teaching out there by people who know what they're doing, who are skilled. And so, but 
can we shake ourselves enough to be drawn by his spirit and not money? The love of money will destroy you. The love of money, you'll fall for every get rich thing. And they tell you, nothing's a get rich thing. He said, if you don't work, you don't eat. He says, if you don't desire to work. Because he knows in some nations you can't work. They would do anything to be able to work. That's what I'm praying. I'm praying for all the people who got into our nation without the correct papers, that they get here and they want to be the hardest working people who ever came into this nation. And the last thing they would do would be support a government form that doesn't expect you to work when all they wanted to do is to come and be able to work. So this is how we need to pray. We need to pray. Okay, Lord, if they're here, then let them get so hungry to work. Let the church quit being the ones kicking them when they're down. And let's begin to say, hey, let's watch God turn this to good. I mean, right now, for whatever reason, everybody has help wanted signs up. So obviously somebody's not working for some reason. I don't know what on earth happened that all of a sudden in less than two years, there, there's so much help wanted, but less business is open than ever. Something really strange is going on. We, all, we need to get those little signs in our car. When you see those people who are panhandling, which you know it's usually nothing legit, hold up the sign, get a job. But don't, because people are crazy nowadays, so be careful. Maybe, maybe uh, write up a posting of a bunch of places that are looking for jobs and hand them that when you hand them uh, a dollar. God is looking at our nation and he's saying, what are you doing that lines up with who I am? God is a God that takes what's meant for evil and turns it to good. He always wins if his people will do it his way. No matter what the situation, you've got to get that heart. You know, the heart, every, anything that goes against God and his words and his power is pride. Anything that thinks that God isn't big enough is prideful. We like to think that pride is just those who think they're all, you know, all that. But actually pride is those who don't think that God is all that. That God isn't big. Stop a minute and really think of your problems, whatever they are. Do you really think that God can't handle that? That's not only prideful, that's ignorance. God can handle anything, anything, anything. The pride is we don't take it to him and let him handle it. The pride is we don't do it his way. And so Leviathan is a spirit that twists and turns everything. It gets involved in, in whatever situation you're in, and it's because of the pride in your heart that you don't have authority over it, just so you know. That's, the key is let's get it out of our hearts what stops us from being able to be led by the Holy Spirit. And so this thing takes and twists everything, twists everything, twists everything. And what comes out of your mouth is not what the word of God says. Instead of speaking life, you're speaking death. Instead of speaking hope, you're speak, speaking hopelessness. And I'm not talking about hid knowledge because legalism brings death. I'm talking about a revelation about who he is and how powerful he is. And you do like David did and you go back and you look at what he's done for you before and how he'll do it again. And you read other people's testimonies of how they've overcome. You know, get yourself, when you want to look up the YouTube stuff or whatever, find the overcoming testimonies. Don't read about all the ones who died of something. Sit there crying. Read about the ones who won. 
Read about the miracles. Build yourself up in your most holy faith. If, if you're fighting something, no matter what it is, go read the stories or buy the books and find out how overcomers overcame. Become people of great faith. I want to be someone where God looks and says, wow, look at that faith. You know, there's a couple times, Jesus is so amazed at the man who comes up um, and, and, and his servant, he didn't bring him. He just said, Lord, all you have to do is send your word. You're, you're so awesome. You don't even have to come to my house. And the Lord looks around and he goes, I haven't found this faith. And all of his, I want to be one of those people that God says, I haven't found this faith. I want God, I want God to stop a minute and say, wow. She still believes. She won't give up. She won't quit believing. She will, she'll obey no matter what. If she falls down, she'll get back up. How big is God? Let me say, God is much bigger than your faith, but your faith reveals how big he is to you. Your faith, what you believe and you're speaking, reveals the real level of how much you know God, trust God, and believe in God. I'm not saying your trial. You could have a horrific trial, but it's how you handle that trial that really reveals your faith. And you'll know your own self if you listen to what you're saying. The power of life and death is really in your mouth. It's not kidding. There's really the power of life and death in our mouths. That's why he says, don't speak a single idle word. Every idle word is going to be judged. Why? Because every idle word is going to release a demon to go do something you don't want done. And God is like, get serious about how powerful you are. You know, even evil people are powerful because they can release death all over the place. They can order all kinds of evil things. See, God made us in his image and his likeness. Male and female, he made us. And so we say, begin to understand what's happened on the planet when he created us. And it's prideful to look at the creation instead of the creator. It's prideful to think about us and instead of think about him. It's prideful for you to limit what God can do in your life or in your situation or in your finances or no matter what's going on in the world. It's prideful. I want everybody to get what prideful is because God cannot stand pride. Pride is the nature of Satan. He wasn't thrown out of heaven because he was full of hate. He was thrown out of heaven because of pride. Pride is being independent from God. Now, how do you know how independent from God you are? What you believe shows how independent from God you are. It doesn't mean you have the victory yet. But I promise you, you're going to have a very difficult time having the victory if you keep letting things come out of your mouth that's coming from your heart that don't believe in victory. If my heart can't speak what God's word says, I'm not seeking his face. That's why he says, if my people called by my name would humble themselves. Humbling yourself, when people say, this is another one gets me, it's prideful. Humbling yourself is prayer. Prayer is not what, huh? prayer is the greatest privilege anyone could have. And the only people who really have it that their prayers prevail are the righteous. Animals don't pray. 
the only people who can really talk to God are believers in Jesus Christ. That's not humbling. That's way beyond anything we've ever deserved. So, if my people, so what is humbling? Humbling is getting before God and saying, why is this happening to me? Not like, why is this happening to me? I'm so great. But God, show me my heart. How have I opened this door? What have I done that's allowed the enemy to do this? That's humbling. Lord, what has our nation done? Lord, what have we done as a nation? What has the church done? What have I done personally? What part of this do I need to repent of? It doesn't help me to repent of slavery if I never owned a slave. But it does help me to repent of racism if I listen to people say racist things. If I heard that and I repeated that. If somehow it got in my heart and I believed it. If I stereotype. All of those things are where I can, are things you really can repent of. I've already repented of any and all that. And I mean it. But for me to just do a prideful repenting for people who've been dead for years, they've already been judged. They're either in hell or heaven. So you're, you're repenting for them doesn't do a thing. If somebody thinks that I'm your deliverer, that's really ridiculously prideful for me to let you think that. If you need anyone, if I need anyone to say they're sorry before I'm okay, I've just made them my God. I don't need anyone to apologize to me. My mom or dad or whoever could have been so hateful, it's not even funny. And they weren't. But if they were, I don't need them to apologize. They need to apologize if they want to get right with God. I don't need to, I don't need to hear it. I've already given it to God. I'm not going to hold anything over anyone's head by God's grace. Everything else is prideful. The Lord says, who has gone before me that I should repay? All under the heavens, it is mine. I will not keep silent as to his limbs or the matter of his powers or the grace of his frame. Who can take off the face of his covering? Who can come with his double bridle? Who can pray open the doors of his face? Terrors all around his teeth. Now he's talking about Leviathan, okay? Now I want you to recognize Leviathan in Job is telling us of a powerful spirit that has to do with pride. And here you can see... And boy, our nation, all the nations are under this right now. Um, it talks about his limbs, all the different things he's doing. Look at all his power. Look at all the money. Look at all the things that he does. Look how, look how the frame of it. Look at the frame of corruption. Look at how deep it goes. Look at how high it goes. Look how it's all over the world, right? This is a Leviathan spirit that we're facing. And I know we talked about it before, but you know, Lord said, no, you are free from it. I didn't realize I had so much pride until he showed me. I can't remember what happened, but something happened last week when I was at Nags and praying about all this. And he showed me my pride. And I was kind of shocked. Oh, I know what it was. It's that scripture in Philippians where it says, um, Paul says, I never grow weary or tired in telling you the same things because it's for your safety. And my attitude had gotten, why do I have to preach to the same few people, the same few things over and over? God, when are you going to bring more people besides the ones on the internet and different ones, different places? Why am I even doing this? And when I was at Nags, the Lord said, you are so prideful. But it took that scripture where the heart of Paul said, 
I never get tired. And Paul was much busier than I was and much more important in the kingdom and did much more for God. And yet here he was saying, look, I never get tired of telling you the same message over and over. I never get tired because it's for your protection. And God convicted me with that one scripture. That's how you want to read the scriptures. You want to read the scripture so God changes you. And don't you love it when he changes you in something you did not see at all? Right? And that's, that's humbling. That's humbling. It's humbling then to get up and tell everybody, I'm sorry. I was wrong. And how many know we need to be humbled because when God begins, every time God moves in the church, right? Every time there's, a pow there's something powerful going on in the church, look how quickly we all market it. Look how quickly people want their name and put titles and all this stuff. We, oh, the church is so full of pride. But see, I couldn't say that without being judgmental until I saw it in myself. But I saw it in these elitists sitting there on, on a clip I saw and literally mocking God. When you know he could kill them like that, that he doesn't show us how merciful he is. You know, the one guy who was a supposed atheist, I can't think of his name, I wouldn't say it on here anyway, and, and, and he mocked God. He wrote the books, There Is No God or something. And he ended up with uh, a handicap so bad he could hardly, he couldn't breathe on his own. He had to speak through something to try to make sounds come out. He couldn't walk or anything. You know what? Maybe he got saved before he died. Maybe he's being so humbled. I think the enemy's able, to, and our air seat's not even working right. Just wait. No. <laughs> you got the fan over you. But, but do you see what I'm saying? God, God is going to humble us. God is going to humble us for our own good. And we need to be praying that. Lord, humble, humble, humble all those in leadership. Humble those in leadership in the church. Humble those in leadership in our government. Humble those in our school systems. Humble those on the school boards. Humble those, Lord. Humble. We need to ask God to humble us first. Do you understand when he says humble themselves? It means you get before God and he shows you you. He gets before God and he shows you you. He shows you you in the situation with your children. He shows you you in the situation with your spouse. He shows you you in the situation with your family. He shows you you in the situation with your coworkers. Do you get what I'm saying? That's what he's about. He's like, Cindy, we're not talking about them. We're talking about you. That's how God always talks. God never lets me talk about, if, I, if I'm having a little bit of issues with John, my husband, I'll say, Lord. And he'll always tell me how awesome my husband is. He'll always tell me, he'll tell me how perfect my husband is for me. And he'll begin to show me these awesome things about my husband that, a little bit of frustration, which means I'm trying to control the situation anyway, brought in the wrong thoughts. I've never once heard God say anything mean about my husband. Do you know God's not going to say anything mean to you about somebody else? He's always going to talk to you about you. Always. Always, 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 always. 
And if we would have ears to hear him and be humble, he will destroy the pride in us and it will also cause us to see things the way he sees things. He'll cause us to see what people have gone through. He'll cause us to see how the enemies attacked them. He's caused us to see. He wants us to have compassion for everybody. And when pride comes in, you start to be everybody's judge. Pride comes in, and you start to think, you know, how everybody should handle things. It doesn't mean that I can't tell you biblically how to handle things, because I really can. But it's prideful if I think you have to listen to me, and it's prideful if I think it's going to work exactly A, B, C if I tell you this. And it's prideful to try to tell you something that you don't want to hear. How many know sometimes you've got to hit a place where you'll listen to God? Isn't that sad? Wouldn't it be nice if we just listened to him? He'd save us a lot of this mess. He goes on. He, he's talking about how big this spirit is. Terror is all around his teeth. The rows of shields are his pride. Shut up with a tight seal. One is so near to another that no air can come between them. He's talking about this spirit of Leviathan. Remember he's talking about what we would see as a crocodile, but it was more powerful. Its teeth are made in such a way that the water can't even get in. And, and we need to pray for people who are fighting the spirit in our nation because this thing, this isn't a thing to play with. This is a demonic force that's so powerful there's almost no way in to destroy it. So they're joined to one another. They clasp each other so they cannot be separated. His sneezings flash forth light and his eyes are as eyelids of, eyelids of the dawn. Out of his mouth go burning torches, sparks of fire fly out. Smoke goes out of his nostrils like a boiling pot fired by reeds. His breath kindles coals and the flame goes out from his mouth. Strength abides in his neck and terror dances before him. How many would like to come up with, to something like that and try to fight? And I'm telling you, this is, how, this is how the spirit over the Antichrist spirit over our nation and over the nations is plotting against us, is plotting against the gospel going forth, is trying to bring us into the dark ages. This is, how, this is why it twists everything. This is why it gets this side against that side and this one. It gets you focused on anything except for our fight is not with flesh and blood. But it's again, this is definitely a principality, right? This is a big boy. This is, this is as close to when Lucifer comes as the Antichrist and takes over the body of that person who was leading after he drops dead and rises back up. I really believe Satan himself is going to be in that body because he's going to try to do a counterfeit resurrection that Jesus Christ came and got back in his body. But everything to that time is intensifying to the power of this thing, to the power of this thing. And I want everybody to see this whole showdown. You can really take this all the way back to when God threw Lucifer down like lightning. That's how hard it is for God to handle Leviathan, people. And you can read it, and he looked like he was all, he just looked like nothing. It was just, he was all fried, and, and the scriptures that describe him looking pretty bad when he fell. So God, this is not about God fighting. Now the Bible says the battle belongs to the Lord, right? What does he mean? He means, I got this. Just do what I tell you. I got this. Do what I tell you. When people say, well, God's going to fight this battle. He only fights through his body. We are his body. He fights through us. 
but it has to be him doing the fighting. See, that's the part where we can get prideful. He does the healing. He does the deliverance. He does the preaching that's really anointed. He does it, right? He does it. He raises the dead. He does it. But he does it through his body, which is the church. But he says he keeps it in flesh and vessels so we're not, it's not of ourself. That means you can go raise a dead person and have a headache the next day so you get the IQ to know, dang, I can't do anything except what God does. I, I personally believe, and, and I was talking with the Lord about this, that the pride of us thinking it's us is one of the reasons Satan is able, has been able to take out so many strong believers lately. Because the people who thought no matter what, we can pray. We know how to intercede. We know how to cry out. And so I'm not talking about the wise of each individual person, but I'm saying that spirit of pride to think it's about us. It's the sons and the daughters of God. No, it's God. What a privilege to be his body. What a privilege to be his sons and his daughters led by his spirit. That's the key, led by his spirit. When his spirit's not leading, you find out you don't have anything. To die is gain. So as long as people die in Christ, praise God. It's kind of prideful to want to live forever. My dad, my dozen, pretty interesting. And he's like, so the, uh, I think I'm going to live to be 102. I said, well, then come to my funeral. So you'll be, I said, I don't want to live that long. I'd be in my 80s. Maybe I'll live that long, but I'm not trying to live that long. I don't care. Because he's like, I'm going to live for as long as I can. I said, well, you live as long as you can. I said, I'm out of here as soon as I finish what God has for me to do, and not a day sooner. And actually he told me that would be about 84. So I guess my dad could make it to 102 or something. <laughs> We're all like, <laughs> I said, well, Dad, you know when you die, it's gain. I said, I'm not afraid to die. I'm seriously 100% not afraid to die. I just would like it to not be painful. So I want faith for it not to be painful. If I, get, if I die for righteousness' sake and, and they stone me to death or something, that's cool, but I want to be like Stephen while they're while they're stoning me, I see Jesus and his glory and I don't feel any pain. I'm just having this great time with God. It'll look good for, you know, everybody to watch, but I, I, I really prefer not to have pain. He carried our pain, but I want to have the faith to believe that. So start with the next headache you get before you run and grab uh, medications and see how much faith you have for that. See, every, everything we go through is to grow and to mature and to trust him and to grow and mature and to trust him. But as soon as we step into a little bit of pride, we kind of zero everything out. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like pride goes before destruction. Haughtiness goes before a fall. In other words, when you start to think it's you, you are in trouble. And, and the Lord sends some powerful things in the teaching movement or the faith movement, right? Just the word, the word, and the power of the word, and he's backing us up. And then he did these awesome encounters and things in the prophetic, right? Just awesome encounters and all this powerful stuff. And we went to the best conferences and we had so much fun. But the minute we start to think it's us, that pride comes in and begins to set us up to fall. I really believe the shaking that's going on and the shaking that'll go on is because of pride. And it can sneak in. Pride, pride is, 
thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to. Pride is thinking you can decide what you're doing today. Pride is, okay, God, when I need you, I'll come back and talk to you. Pride is thinking you can make your marriage work without God. Pride is thinking you can raise a child without God, especially in this society. Pride, pride is thinking you can be successful because you, you've watched all the right YouTube channels. And God is really going after pride in this hour. We're not going to get through this perfecting that he's going to do to bring forth his bride if we let pride rise up. See, when I get to a certain level of authority in Christ and power in Christ, that's when the enemy wants to come and steal it. That's when he wants to come and steal it. Because if he can get in with deception or delusion or pride, he can then take the authority and power that I walk in, in Christ, and he can make it demonic. And I wouldn't even know the difference. That's why you have to see, do you have love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, long-suffering, patience? That's why you count it all joy, your various trials. You count it all joy. Thank you, God. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn to persevere through this. I'm going to see how much I need you in this. I'm gonna, people, people are like, well, this has been a long trial. Well, hang on. You're persevering. First of all, you're not persevering until you have faith. So if you don't have faith yet, you're still just trying to get faith. The devil's beating the tart of you because you don't trust God yet. But when you get to faith and you do trust God, then God's going, you know what? We're going to add to that perseverance. What does that mean? I'm going to let everything possible come against you to see if you still believe me. In America, if that's a four-day thing, you think, oh, my gosh. I mean, with my situation with Mitchell, that was about a 16-year thing. I'm just going to mom. Moms, don't put your whole life on hold because you have babies. <laughs> I was preaching the gospel, cleaning my house, taking care of three kids, loving my husband, and, and, and doing what God wants me to do. We've got to quit making the kids the, the center of our universe. God is the center of the universe. And then the marriage is second. And then the kids. We've got things so messed up in our society. People are having kids without the husbands. Like on a regular basis. All I wanted was a kid. Well, God didn't, why did, God didn't want you just to have a kid. I'm not saying that you can't adopt and help somebody, but God's got his way. Believe him for the husband. Believe him for the wife. Believe him to put things together. Just, just get in there and do what he's showing you to do. You can't hide out in a, in a room in your house where there's no other human beings and think a husband's going to come knock on the door. And if he did, you probably wouldn't open it. No, I'm just, it's like you've got, it's just like with anything. If I don't go and plant the seeds in the garden, nothing's going to grow. We have to become doers. We have to step out. We got to get rid of the pride that tells God how he has to do it. Come on. You know, like, well, Lord, I'll go when you do this. <laughs> you better be glad. You better be glad he's merciful. You'll do what? You're going to do what? <laughs> yes, God, when you do this, I'll do that. <laughs> Whoa, wait a minute now. The word Lord means master. It doesn't mean negotiation. Aren't you so thankful he's so kind? I mean, serious. Thank God he's so kind. 
You, he's not having a pity party with anybody. He's not sitting around going, oh, my strength is not enough. Oh, my mercies don't really endure every day. My mercies aren't really new every morning. See, we got to quit it. We, we say these things that unsay what he says. And then we think somehow it's okay because we went through a hard day. Our nation hasn't hardly seen a hard day. There are people that wake up every single day in other nations and every day is a hard day and they don't even know it's a hard day because their standards are so much different than ours. I got a call from India today. And we're just talking and said, here's what I need you to do. I want you to do some of this stuff. And well, how's everybody? How's your family? How's, how's Mr. John? How's, um, you know, how's everybody at the church? Y'all know who I'm talking about. He says, hi. And so we're just talking and he's, anyway, he's probably watching this. But so he's praying about this woman that his parents like, they, they, their parents still pick their, their spouses. And, but his parents are nice. If he says no, it's going to be no. So. And then all these other things. And he's, they take you so seriously, which is good when you say something. And, and he's like, about a job offer or something. I said, well, you know, now may not be the season. Do what you need to do. In America, we're so used to making our own decisions and really not overly honoring prophecy. And, and some of that's right. We shouldn't be led by prophecy. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit. And prophecy should feed into that. But, but anyway, I'm just, ooh, I got to watch what I say in these other countries. Because if you just say something and they take it to mean don't get a job or they take it to mean you're supposed to marry this one or whatever, they, they're serious with it, you know. So I'm like, no, you need to ask Holy Spirit who to marry. You need to ask Holy Spirit if you take that job before he opens more ministry opportunities. If he doesn't, that's fine. But you need to find out. And, and I'll just say this. I know they're watching, but I'll just say this. It is never wise to take the, place of the, take the place of the Holy Spirit in anyone else's life. How prideful is that? How prideful is that? You want to stand before God and say, oh, I told him this or I told him that. You better know it's coming from the Holy Spirit and he's just, you weren't even thinking about it and it comes forth. The fear of the Lord is something we need to cry out for. The fear of the Lord will be the major thing to keep you from pride. Not control. I have, uh, you know, people who are kind of preaching like, don't touch God's anointed and don't do this and don't do that. Well, God actually, in, in the book of Revelations, he actually says, well done to those who recognize those who called themselves apostles and weren't. And those who said they were Jews and they weren't. In other words, it's not about what I do. It's about what's behind what I'm doing. I can't just close my eyes and see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil, and that makes me good. The real fear of the Lord comes when, Lord, I only want to do or expose or speak what you want, and even if it makes people not like me, then that's fine. I'm not going to be a man pleaser. I'm going to be a God pleaser. He said it's impossible to please him and man. You've got to pick. Is what I'm going to do going to be pleasing to God? You might not think it is. You might think, oh, she is judging. And maybe some of it is. But 
if my heart is to please God, he knows that. He knows how to take care of those things. And he is raising up an apostolic um, move that is going to get things straight. And it's going to be a terrible counterfeit when it comes. The, the real will be great, but the counterfeit of controlling people and tyranny and telling people what they can and can't do and this, that, and the other, is going to be terrible. Every time God does something, Satan counterfeits it. That's why it's called a counterfeit. And usually the counterfeit grows faster than the real. Why? Because the real has to mature. The real has to have fruitfulness. The real has to go through process of Holy Spirit sanctification. And the counterfeit, all it takes is Satan catching on and finding some people who want names and titles and power, and he can grab them some Christians really fast. And that's why God's going to keep the shaking going on. So we want to get rid of this thing, pride. We want to get rid of this thing that's destroying our nation. It says, all right. Terror dances, 41, 23. The folds of flesh cleave together, cast firm on him. He cannot be moved. His heart is cast hard as a stone, even as a piece of a lower millstone. This pride, this Leviathan spirit, the spirit we see over our nation right now, it's hard-hearted. It doesn't care if it gets caught. It doesn't care what anybody thinks about it. It doesn't care what's right or wrong. It doesn't care. It's completely hard we need to break off anything where he says, well, I don't care anymore. I'm just not going to care anymore. God is the same. You can't have a hard heart. What is the enemy trying to do? He wants your heart hard. He wants you hard against illegals that are coming in. He wants you hard against people who vote a certain way. He wants your heart hard against this. He wants your heart hard against people who participate in lawlessness. We are always to separate the person from the sin. We're always to separate the person or people from the spirit involved. And Leviathan wants us to look at the people so that he can puff us up with pride. Remember, God gives nothing to the prideful, but to the humble. He, you know, he, he just makes a way for the humble. We've got to lay down our gift packages as if that's our, oh, I'm so smart, or I'm so this. It doesn't matter. Our whole culture has followed celebrities, and then we made celebrities in the church. All of it's prideful. It's really prideful for anybody to think that they can hear God for somebody else. It's very humbling to yield the Holy Spirit and him say things through you that somebody needs to hear and then you handle it in a way where you don't use it to control them or put fear in them. But hoping they hear it so that they'll seek God about it. Okay. The mighty are afraid from his arising, from the crashing they miss the way. The sword overtakes him but will not hold firm nor the spear, the dart, or the javelin. He counts iron as straw, bronze as rotten wood. A son of a bow cannot make him flee. Sling stones are turned to stubble by him. Darts are counted as stubble. He laughs at the shaking of the javelin. This spirit is laughing at every human effort to stop it. This spirit even has the people operating it laughing at anyone who thinks they can stop them. Blatantly, in your face, laughing. And can I say, without God, we can't stop it? And if we don't get pride out of our hearts, we won't have authority to stop it. But guess what tonight? We're going to get pride out of our, we're going to get the pride out of our hearts. And those who want to do some wild intercession, you can close your eyes when that happens. <laughs> 
How many, wanna, how many want to see us fight a principality tonight and have our hearts right? That's why we're here tonight. Because we were supposed to do this Sunday. We just didn't get to it. Lord said, we'll do it Tuesday. I'm like, okay. And then I prayed into more humility, humbled myself. All right. He spreads sharp, sharp marks on the mire. He looks the deep boil like a pot. He makes the sea like a pot, pot of ointment. He makes a path to shine after him. One would think the deep to be gray-headed. There is nothing like him on the earth, one made without fear. He beholds all things. He is king. Okay, here we go. This is what the spirit is. He is king over all the sons of pride. Um, when you study pride, which we're not going to have time for, pride is separating yourself from God. The Babylonian spirit, when they built the Tower to Babel, when they built the Tower to Babel, they were basically saying, we're going to raise ourselves up higher than God. These people actually are saying that now. They really believe that spirit, that antichrist, powerful spirit, the, the spirit of ba Babylon spirit is so powerful. And it's what's orchestrating all this stuff. And it's, it's so much more powerful than than uh, than any person you might be looking to to help you. And let's be real, the person most of us are looking to for God to use to help us has a lot of pride. We need to pray. We need to pray that they humble themselves. We need to pray that instead of stirring them up to more pride, they humble themselves. We need to pray for these heroes right now who are trying to save our nation, that they would get before God and recognize they can't do this. We've got to quit throwing stones at those who stood for a while and then start to fall. This spirit is beyond any spirit that almost anyone has ever come up against. So who are we to point and, and, and make fun of if they can't stand their ground? Just be thankful for anything they did do to help. See, none of us know how we would handle under this kind of a spirit attacking us in political positions if we had an influence. And that includes people in the church. We don't know how we would act. Why? Because we've never faced it. We face it in little ways and we don't do that good. Right? To have the kind of influence that these people have and, and to think that any of us could handle that, to handle that kind of pressure. When they call evil good and good evil, they're, they're in such pride. And so the Lord, as he was showing me, and we really don't have time, God hates a prideful look. He hates boasting. He hates thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. He hates, um, he says, we're to honor those that everybody else dishonors, not mock them, make fun of them, think we could do better. See, God looks at every person individually. And he doesn't plan the evil that happens to them. It's impossible for him to plan evil. And he knows no matter where they're born, no matter what nation, no matter what situation, no matter what parents, no matter where they're born, he knows that what his son did on the cross and the power of the Holy Spirit on the earth is greater than anything Satan could throw at anybody. Anybody. He does not see victims. He sees overcomers. 
And he sees a people who are so excited about overcoming that they want others to become overcomers. They want others to know God. They're not trying to give them tons of meds to help them through. They're not trying to you know, talk them through things or self-help. Self-help is prideful. You can't self-help yourself out of a bag. It's like, it's like we need God. You know, all our selfies and all. We got more pictures of more people. There's more pictures ever. Of course, they're all out on a cloud somewhere that when they zip it away, nobody has any pictures. We just live in such a different time. And the Lord's saying, get rid of the pride. Pride is all the things where we say, I would never do that. If you were in their same situation, you'd probably do the same thing. Who are you to say what you would or wouldn't do? That's prideful. It's prideful. You want to think you'd never do that. But I guarantee you, most of those people thought they'd never do that either. And then we got to humble ourselves. Lord, help us. And so I want you to just let the Lord deal with any pride. Any pride. Any, anything. You can have pride in how bad you are. You can have pride in how white you are. You can have pride in how black you are. You can have pride in how smart you are. You can have pride in how tough you are. You can have pride in if you're a girl. Now they're having pride if they don't know if they're a girl or a boy. I mean, there's just pride everywhere. You can have a pride if you, if you just anything. Th anything that makes you feel better about yourself is pride. I don't have to feel better about myself. I just need to feel awesome about who God created me to be. I don't need to compare myself to others. He tells us not to. Don't do that. Just be who you are. Just recognize what you're walking through. Just recognize how you have to overcome. Just recognize how big he is. And we got to quit giving everybody pity parties. we got to give them the truth. Well, what you went through was so hard, but it's nothing for God to help you overcome. You need to get that excitement. You know what? I had, maybe you had a terrible childhood. Maybe you messed up terrible as a wife. Maybe you messed up terrible as a husband. Maybe you were a mess before God in such a big mess, and maybe you got as messed up as they come. Maybe you had demons, you know, looking through your eyeballs. And I actually just described some people in here, but anyhow. But when Christ came into your heart, you became a new creation in Christ Jesus. And old things are passed away. That old identity no longer stands. And it's at that point in time, at that point in time, you are right where you should be. You're right where you should be. And then Holy Spirit, who comes in because you just became a new creation in Christ Jesus, right? He starts making this real. He says, humble yourself here. Get rid of this here. Quit thinking like this here. Get into the word here. Follow me here. Look at this. Be healed. Be made whole. He begins to do his work. Holy Spirit comes inside of us to perfect us, to make us the bride of Christ. He comes into us to get the, the other stuff doesn't automatically go. How do you know? Look at everybody. I mean, seriously, look at all the saved people. What saved person do you know that the minute they got saved, they were completely sanctified, living the holy, sold-out life, and powerful for God, and not touching his glory? What does Paul say? I die daily. You're going to struggle with the flesh 
wanting to rise up because that's where Satan tries to raise you up and keep you in pride. Satan is the father of lies. He's also the father of pride. It's like when pride raises up in us, believe it or not, we're revealing Satan to people. And you can have religious pride. You can have self-righteous pride. You can have, I know the Bible, throwing scriptures at everybody pride. You can even have pride in how nice and kind you are and you never say anything bad. You can have pride in what your gifts are, what your talents are, anything. It's all pride. When we touch it as an identity. The only identity that is completely, for real, completely without pride is I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I no longer live. I'm no longer trying to figure out what I can do tomorrow that will be fun. I'll let God take care of if I have a fun day. I'll let God take care of if I have a work day. I'll let God take care of if I watch this video. I'll let God take, you know, you're going to stand before God and you're going to give an account for every idle word. Yeah, that's going to be a long, I don't be in the back of that line. That's going to make Chick-fil-A or anybody else look like wherever, the slowest line you've ever seen. Everybody see me get up there, oh God, idle words. I've repented for most of them. So it won't be as long as you think because I've already come under conviction. See, isn't it great? I can repent of things and when I get up there, all that stuff is gone. Everybody's going to go, ooh, wait till they get to Cindy. All those idle words. I'm up there. He goes, come on in. It's all under the blood. I don't know what they're talking about. He's going he's to get them. Hey, get up here. That is a wrong thought. You're in heaven now. You should be having those thoughts. <laughs> amen? Oh, I'm not supposed to say amen because somebody wrote me, unless it's in the Bible. So, right? Right. Word. word. Oh, I don't think they like that one either. Cindy's word, not God's word. Anyhow. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying, though? We, we have, see, the beginning to getting free from something is recognizing it and hating it. When the Lord showed me that that pride had rose up about being tired of telling the same messages to the same people over and over. And when I saw that in Philippians, and here, here's Paul, someone who literally died for God, was beaten, shipwrecked, all the stuff in his resume. And he says, it's not tiresome for me to tell you this over and over. It's for your safety. Man, I got so convicted by the Holy Spirit why is it tiresome for you? Why is it tiresome for you? What if you do that the rest of your life and that's all you do? What does it matter to you? And you guys, when you really get convicted by the Holy Spirit and you really let him use his word to convict you and not try to use it so you can change everybody else all the time, it really goes in deep. And all of a sudden you realize, oh my gosh, I said, thank you, God, for not opening doors faster. Thank you, God, that it's just a small group. Thank you, God. All the things you were mad about, now you're thanking him for. 
And who are we to judge those who stand with a bunch of influence and on major platforms and they have all that coming after them and the enemy trying to stop them and yet we're going to judge them. I'm not, we call sin, sin, okay? You call sin, sin. You call wrong, wrong. But you don't touch the heart of the person that belongs to God. Just like what David did. That is so good, that video we watched. David sinned terribly. He was a terrible father, okay? You know, he let his one daughter get raped and he tried to cover it up and it caused dysfunction in the family and a lot of hate and the kids were a mess and, and then, you know, all this stuff and he took all these wives and he just had a mess. And they got so busy and being the king and he was busy. And then he fell into such pride, he was too tired. He wasn't going to go back out to war and instead he slept with one of his good friend's wives. And she got pregnant. And he's trying to cover it up every which way he can instead of facing it. And then gets that guy killed on purpose, ambushed by his, by his king, by his good friend, by the one who taught him how to fight. And then he takes that woman and thinks, well, we've handled this. And then the prophet comes to remind him God sees everything. Can I tell you God sees everything? He sees your murmuring. He sees your moaning. He sees your anger. He sees when you're hateful. He sees when you're not being kind to somebody who's hurting. He sees everything. Aren't you glad he's merciful? Aren't you glad when you really repent, he really forgives? Thank you, Jesus. Anyone who doesn't repent has probably never really come into a real relationship with God. And if I repent, how can I expect somebody else, how can I not want to help somebody else repent? We should want to help people to repent, to really turn back to God, to be able to let go and forgive themselves. They're going to pay consequences, and then we should ask for mercy in those consequences. We need to forgive ourselves. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. If you don't enter into Christ Jesus and get free from condemnation, you will never be able to handle conviction and you'll never be able to handle repentance because you'll live with the voice of the enemy condemning you. And we just got to get free from it. Quit listening to him. He's condemned. We're not. Jesus didn't die for him or fallen angels. They're doomed. They're doomed. And he let him come here so we could learn how to be like God. He let him come here so we could learn how to be led by Holy Spirit to put the enemy under our feet. He let him come here so our heart gets tested on who are we going to serve and who do we want to believe. And he knew what he was doing and he did what was right. So quit being bitter and blaming God for what the devil's done because you have all authority over the devil. Now, if you love this teaching, and you better say you love this teaching, then we want you to check out our web at beautyforashes.org. There is so much teaching there, and there's a resource uh, library there. And also, check out my Facebook page at Cindy Foster Beauty for Ashes Ministry. We'd love you to partner with us and come along for the ride into the apostolic. God bless you.